in a study on the church, going lesson by lesson, and we have been over halfway, two-thirds actually, tonight's two-thirds of the way through this study. And as we look at our study on the church tonight, we're going to look at ordained positions in the church. There was a man who found himself to be pretty handy around the church. He could fix a doorknob when it was broken. He did a little plumbing work when it needed to be done. He could change a, a light switch when it went out. And he was just real handy. And he kind of liked what he was doing. And he went to the pastor and he said, Pastor, I, I want to be ordained. And he said, well, I didn't know that you were called to preach. Or, you know, do you have a desire to be a deacon? Uh, what is it? And he, he said, no, I, I want to be the minister of maintenance in the church. And I'd like to have a, an ordination service for that. Well, there are two ordained positions in the church. And two only. And that's pastors and it's deacons. There are no other ordained positions aside from these two. There's no ordination for the minister of maintenance. Um, there are actually more positions in the church than that. There are a lot of positions to fill and to be able to serve the Lord. As a matter of fact, we could probably say there are are more positions than, than what we currently have because every child of God can have a duty and is to have a duty in the church to serve the Lord in some way. Every church is different, has different needs. Some churches have more ministries than others. But there's a, there's a need for every church member to, to work and just as there's these two ordained positions of pastors and deacons. And the church has the authority to designate members into positions of service to meet those needs. You know, and we've talked in different messages, it's, it's not just important to work in the church, it's important concerning our relationship and working together in the church. And as I say that, I specifically want to mention a very important relationship in the church. And that is the relationship between the pastor and the people. It shouldn't be like the man who woke up one Sunday morning and he wasn't getting ready for church. And his wife went in to the room and said, what are you doing? He said, I, I'm not going to church, and I'll give you two reasons why I'm not going to the church. I don't like the people at church, and they don't like me. And his wife said, I'll give you two reasons why you ought to go to church. Because God says to, and because you're the pastor. The relationship between the pastor and the people is very important. 
and, and where you might think the pastor ought to get somebody else to bring this lesson, look, it's, it's a lesson on the church. And so we're going to talk about two ordained positions, but one tonight. And tonight, it's the pastors. I, I, guess, uh, I guess I messed up. The deacons might not be here next Sunday night. No, I'm kidding. But the, we're going to talk about the pastor to the people and the people to the pastor tonight. And, and so first of all, as we think about this relationship and the familiarizing of it all and talking about it, you know, what is the pastor called? Well, he's called a bishop in the Bible. In 1 Timothy 3.1, it speaks of the office of a bishop, and that's the pastor. And the meaning of the bishop is to watch over the flock, to be an overseer. But there's not only the title of bishop, there's also the title of elder for the pastor. 1 Timothy 5.17 speaks of the elders that rule. Titus chapter 1 verse 5 speaks of ordaining elders. And when we speak of the elder, this word means senior. But that doesn't mean it has to do with a certain age. And you have to be of a certain age to be a pastor. It doesn't speak of an age requirement. But it does speak of a degree of spiritual maturity that is needed for the work as a pastor. And then there's another name for the pastor, and it's pastor as we say often, obviously, Ephesians 4.11 speaks of the pastor, makes reference to pastors. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, it speaks of the pastors and that they are to feed the flock. And so pastor means shepherd. And so you think of a shepherd with the sheep. You think of the shepherd who has the sheep in the fold and he sleeps at the opening of the fold to be a protection for the sheep. He puts them in a good place that they might be able to, to get good rest, that they might have food and nourishment. And if a bear or a lion come along, he's going to protect the sheep from the animals and the things that would hurt them. He is going to leave the 99, and go after the one. The pastor is a shepherd. That's what he's called. But let's talk about what he's called to do. Many preachers get phone calls in the morning, and even if it's after 8 a.m., the first thing that is said on the preacher's end is hello, and on the other end it, uh, it is, were you awake yet? <laughs> Even if it's after eight, that, that, that is asked. Some people are joking when they ask it. Other people are not, is, is what I take from it anyway. What, are, what is the pastor called to do? 
The pastor is called to preach the gospel, to win the unsaved, to teach and to build up Christians, to aid the helpless, to counsel the troubled and the unruly in the church, to round up the backslidden Christian, to pray for the sick, to baptize the saved, to lead in the Lord's Supper, to officiate a marriage in the uniting of man and woman who are children of God, to preach the funeral to organize the work of the ministry, to oversee the work of the church, to labor always as a student of the Bible. And so these are a few things that the pastor does. To to sum up what the pastor does in four words, we could do it by the words preach, preside, plan, and provide. He's a bishop. He's to watch over the flock. He's an elder. He's a senior. He's the pastor. He's the shepherd. That's what the preacher is called to do. But let's talk about something else concerning the pastor tonight. And that is, what is he called to be? And that's where we're going to look in 1 Timothy chapter 3 here. And we're going to go through a list tonight of the things that the pastor is to be. We're going to look at verses uh, 1 through one through seven, one through through 8 anyway. And there's some more verses in Titus. But we're going to look at 1 Timothy here, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. First of all, it says in verse 1, this is a true saying, if a man desire... The office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. That doesn't mean that the qualification to be a pastor is just that one would desire to be one. As a matter of fact, I know of most who are pastors. I'm not going to say most, but I have heard many testimonies from many pastors who tried to run from this idea of preaching in the beginning but so if there's a but if there is a desire there it's because one is meant to be a pastor somebody said something about getting ordained online getting licensed to preach online someone didn't want a preacher to preach their, to officiate their wedding. So they got online. I don't know if it was successful and went all the way through, but they got online and got them a license and they say, I can preach. My question is, who sent them to preach? Romans chapter 10 Verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a wonderful verse. How wonderful is it that you can tell anyone and everyone you talk to, whether you know them or not, that their name is whosoever according to this verse. Because anyone can be saved. I've known people that have tried to 
tried to say, well, I was one of Satan's generals and you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know the sin that I've been in. Grace that is greater than all our sins. I actually told someone, don't flatter yourself. If that's how you flatter yourself, there is the grace of God that is greater than anyone's sins. Praise God that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's a question that comes up after that, and it's how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Who sent the one who got ordained online? Anyway, the preacher's called by God, and he's called to do, and he's called to be certain things. And look in verse 2 with me, if you will, and you will see that a bishop, the pastor, the elder, then must be blameless. Don't, don't fire me tonight because you think I'm not blameless if you think that word means perfect. That word does not mean perfect. If it did, every preacher in every church would need to be fired because it wouldn't be possible. But blameless does not mean perfect. It means irreproachable. Preachers are going to get blamed. Pastors are going to get blamed. I've been blamed before. And if, and if I've been guilty of something, I've apologized. I've been blamed a whole lot for things I didn't even do. So, so the pastor's going to be blamed, not saying it's true, but he's going to be blamed. Blameless means to be irreproachable. There has been blame that has come upon a pastor but that doesn't mean that they had proof and that it was real. Amen. That's right. So he's to be blameless. He's to be irreproachable in his lifestyle. The husband of one wife. That's the next thing in the list. This does not mean one wife at a time. This means one wife, the husband of one wife. I don't mean to pick tonight, but I wonder what the priest has to say about that, who says you can't take a wife, but God's Word says to be, you can be the husband of one wife. One, one all the way through for ministry. Not only the husband of one wife, but vigilant. Vigilant speaks of wise caution. It speaks of possessing self-control. And so, so that's what a pastor is called to be. But not only is he called to be, to be these things, he's also called to be sober. 
And this has nothing to do with the consumption of alcohol. It's talking about being sober-minded. It's talking about a seriousness. Being wise in decision-making. Wise in conclusions. It means gathering all the facts before making a decision. That's what goes into being sober. There's a seriousness to it. To be sober is going to include a lot of qualities like, like avoiding unnecessarily offending others, avoiding revealing unnecessary information. And, and there's a seriousness that comes with being a pastor to be sober. People have a, have a certain qualification for who they have as their pastor, though. Their pastor has to have a sense of humor. You're not going to find that qualification in the Bible, but people want a pastor to have a sense of humor. There's nothing wrong with having a sense of humor. It's okay to have one, but it's not a requirement. And he can't lack in seriousness... And, and the pastor just can't be too lighthearted. And all of these things go into what it means to be sober. And we continue with the list of what the pastor is to be. And it's of good behavior. That means to be wise in conduct. To be orderly. To be disciplined in his life. The pastor is called to hospitality. Wednesday night we talked about Lydia. And Lydia is a great example of hospitality. And, just as, and we said a lot of things about hospitality and learned a lot from that example of Lydia. But just to sum up something else by a little definition for the pastor in hospitality, it's, it's the love of strangers. That's a, that's a good way that one is going to have hospitality, to have a love of strangers. I didn't say trust in strangers, but to love them. You don't have to, you don't have to trust someone to love them. Love of strangers. That's, that's good for the pastor. That's, that's in this list concerning giving to hospitality. But he's also to be apt to teach. The spiritual gift of the pastor is to teach. And he is to be skilled in it. This isn't something that is instant. It's not something that happens overnight. It takes decades to become thorough in the doctrines and principles of the Bible. A pastor is to have a good, solid outline of the major doctrines and the truth of the Bible, and, and throughout ministry, he's to be able to fill in all of those doctrines with the minor doctrines and, and continue on and, and, and learn throughout the rest of his ministry. The pastor is not to be given to wine. The pastor is to stay clear of alcohol. Alcohol has addictive qualities. And, and the pastor's not to have anything to do with it, to stay away from this addiction. 
I'll just interject in the middle of this list, you know, what, and what's, what's good for the pastor is good for every church member. You know, you can't go wrong as any Christian following these guidelines, these requirements, these qualifications for a pastor. Everyone ought to be like what the pastor is called to be. I mean, some people would be mortified to hear that the pastor failed in a big way in one of these things. It, man, it would be the big gossip. It would be the talk and everything. <gasps> and it, it's to be the same for every... It's good to be that way for every church member. It's to be the same. You can't go wrong if you are. He's not to be given to wine, not to be given to this addictive liquid. I have a friend that calls it the devil's water. <laughs> Proverbs 20 verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker. It'll make fun of you. Strong drink is raging. It'll make you ferociously mean, senselessly for no reason, to people you love. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. It'll fool you. It's a deceiver. Anybody ever heard someone say, Oh, don't worry about me. I drive better under the influence than I do sober. It's a deceiver. Don't be given to it, pastor. Christian, this is good for you. Uh, no striker. No striker. One pastor had a, uh, the church had a business meeting every month whether they needed it or not. That's a, I love the way we do business meeting. But, but some do it every month whether they just need to vote on the color of a brass or a brush nickel doorknob or whatever. And one pastor, by his own testimony, he wasn't proud of it. He was kind of confessing and teaching in doing so. But, but he gave some testimony that he went to business meeting looking for a fight every time the doors were open. Pastor Stone tells of some preacher, I don't know who it is, but at the door, if he had a problem with a member, he invited him to out to the parking lot to go to Fifth City. That's the way he handled things. But the pastor is to be no striker. The pastor is not to be a quarrelsome person. He's not to be greedy of filthy lucre. The pastor's not to be a money lover. One preacher was preaching in view of a call at a church, and I don't know if they may, they may be listening, but, but they're the only ones who will, who will know I'm talking about him. Anyway, he preached in view of a call on a Sunday morning. He went back Sunday afternoon... And he met with the church and he stood in the pulpit for questions and answers. And they asked him questions. And one question that the people asked him was, what kind of salary do you expect? I would think that's a trick question. <laughs> but I guess he didn't. And he answered with a question. And his question was, do you want me to do more 
or less than your previous pastor. And they said, we want you to do more. He said, then pay me more. If I was a member of that church and I heard and I was sitting there and heard that, I might wait until it was over or I might interrupt it and just let everybody know that me as one member of my boat is just to send this person down the road and not even spend any more time with them at all. A pastor should pastor a church no matter what the church is able or unable to do for him in that area. That's not a concern. He's, the pastor is not to be driven by money in any way. He's not to be motivated to do more because of dollars, but because he's called of God to pastor the church and do what he should. The pulpit is not to be occupied by a money grabber. How about... How about this one in verse 3 as we continue on? Patient. The pastor is to be patient. Gentle, fair, and reasonable. Able to deal with people right where they are. Instead of where you want them to be, right where they are. To be firm, but with a soft touch. The pastor's not to be a brawler, not to be contentious, or not to be combative. He is not to be covetous, the pastor isn't. His focus is not to be on worldly things, but the well-being of God's people. That's where his focus is. Not on stuff, but the saints of God and how better to help them. Verse 4, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? The pastor, when, when a pastor has children, they're a parent. And they are to be a parent, ruling with authority, exercising authority, and the children learning obedience. They have to be taught obedience, and it, and it takes authority. It takes, it takes good rules. It takes good principles. It takes things that you don't go and step over the boundary of, and, and, the, and the, the parent sets that in place. The pastor's no different than any other parent. The pastor is to be that way with his family. Verse 6, not a novice. Not a new Christian, not one who has just sprung up in salvation and saved. Not that the brand new child of God should ever be hindered from serving the Lord. Tell people what you know. One man, a pastor today, a pastor for many years, when he was first saved, all that he knew was that he had been born again. So he went to the bus stop every morning, and he told the people, you must be born again. You must be born again. Every, every, the novice can witness. The novice is learning and growing, but 
The novice is not to be a pastor of the people. Verse 7. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. He must have a, a good reputation in the community. He's not to be a phony. He's not to... He's not to speak righteously with righteous words in God's church and then cuss like a sailor if you happen to see him out and about at Walmart and he's got his back to you and the, and the very intelligent vocabulary of, of a foul mouth is constantly coming out of his mouth. That's, that's not to be him. He's not to be that way. A good report... He's to be a man that pays his bills. He's to be a man that's faithful to his wife. That's the pastor to the people. And so there, there's a good word if through life it ever comes to a place where, where you're in a church and uh, the church needs a pastor. You know, as I say that, and as we get into the next part, the people and the pastor, you know, it, it, it seems like someone made the statement one time, not, not trying to be ugly or critical, but just in sincere observation of, of a church, they said, you know what? That church barely needs a pastor. And what they meant by that is, it seems like they're almost fine just to have someone come in and preach, preach the Bible to them and then leave, and that's it. Well, we've looked at what the pastor is to be to the people, but let's talk about what the people are to the pastor, the people to the pastor. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 12 just for a second. The people are to be close to the pastor. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Know them that are over you in the Lord. There must be fellowship with the pastor. There's not to be deliberate neglect of, of the pastor. It's not to be deliberately going out a different door to avoid the pastor or the last one in or the first one out and don't let him touch me with a 10-foot pole. The members are to be close to the pastor the members are to call to mind the pastor. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. A lot of people probably said, figured that we were going here. And so in Hebrews 13, 7, it says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end... Of their conversation. Remember the pastor. Let me just say a, a few things about remembering the pastor. First of all, he, he's human, just like you are. 
and, and he makes mistakes. One preacher went to a small Bible conference. He, he was going through some struggling, and he went to be encouraged. He went to have his heart ministered to. And he's sitting there in the Bible study, and he was called on to pray. You know, right there in front of the preachers and, and the Christians that were, who were in the, the Bible conference. And, and he said, you know what, would you mind calling on someone else? I just don't feel like it right now. Uh, I'm just going through a struggle. I just don't feel like praying. And he said everybody looked at him as though he could not be human. And that could not be his, his condition. But it, but it was. It was at the moment. Call to mind that the pastor is human just like you. That his position isn't necessarily always easy. Call to mind the pastor's needs. And, and there's nothing hidden in this. We're just, we're just studying the church. And, and as we consider the ordained positions, we're looking at it. So in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Let the elders that rule be well counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. Call, call to mind the needs of, of the pastor. Call to mind the family of the pastor. You know, there, there are many wonderful, there were many wonderful mothers here this morning who are members of the church. And the pastor's wife is, is a mother and a member of the church. But consider their different position. Consider their position as, as the pastor's wife and the pastor's children. You know, I don't mean look at them differently because that happens. And I, I, I'm steering away from that when I say remember them. As in, as in not to make the condition harder upon them, but, but better and, and pray for the family of the pastor of the church. Call, call him to mind. Comply with him. Comply with the pastor. Hebrews 13 again in verse 17. It says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. I, I kind of want to read that verse again. I'm not. I'm just going to say, let's, let's look at it again later. You know, when the level of authority tries to be in the wrong place in a church or, or any organization, if the authority is not right, the business isn't going to last. If the authority is not right, then even the church may dissolve, God forbid, but, but it can happen. Remember that God has called the pastor and gifted the pastor and given him the particular place and position in the church. The pastor is a member of the church, just like the rest of the members of the church are. But God has given the pastor a particular position, and that is to watch for the souls 
of the people. So the pastor is going to have something that people don't really understand. After I say this, it, it's probably not really understood, and that's not on your part. That's just on the experience of the pastor that, that he has the burden of responsibility of knowing that one day he is going to spend some time with God and go over the church role and membership with God. And, and what I did, or what the pastor, pastors do to help situations, to help the members, to better their lives, whatever the case may be, the pastor's going to be convicted of the responsibility of giving an account to God for them. I was trying to help a member one time, and, and I was explaining my heaviness and my interest and my personal care in the situation. They didn't want it, but I told them that I'm going to spend time with God and talk to Him about what I did to help you. I'm responsible to Him for that. And they said, I don't believe that. I don't believe you're going to do that. And it's, that's what Hebrews 13, 17 is. And, and someone still said, I don't believe that, but it's true. And that's the weight and that's the responsibility that is, that is given to the pastor for the overall shepherding of the people, for the individual shepherding of the people. One, one preacher had a member who always wanted to, to fuss and fight and oppose the pastor and for years, the pastor, my pastor friend's testimony was that he always fought back and they had him a good old nasty fight in the office. And this went on for years. And, and finally, he, he wanted to correct his wrong with the Lord. And so this member comes in. It, it happened uh, frequently, uh, according to the testimony of my preacher friend and the the member would, came in huffy and puffy in his office one night, shut the door, and before he ever spoke, the pastor said, there's not going to be a fight in here tonight. We're not going to do it. And the preacher asked him to read Hebrews 13, 17, and, and the constant preacher attacking church member what was instantly changed is the report of that testimony. It doesn't always happen that way. It doesn't always happen that fast. But the members are to be close to the pastor. They're to call him to mind. And they're to comply with him. And we'll close with, with consideration of him. Again, in Hebrews chapter 13 almost the end of the chapter, it says, Salute all them that have the rule over you and all the saints. Salute speaks of respect. And, and that going about in a certain way. I used to obey my mom. But I went down the hallway kicking the wall, headed to my room, obeying my mom sometimes. You know, it's one thing to comply. It's another thing to, to do it with consideration. 
And, and, and again, all of this goes together. A help to call him to mind, a help to comply with him and to be considerate to him is, is to be close to the pastor, to remember the pastor, to call him to mind. This, the, and this help is needed. This help is needed because... I mean, the pastor is going to make mis some mistakes. The pastor is going to need to be forgiven by the people. And, and to call him to mind is going to help so that the member doesn't take the pastor's personal overseeing in their lives personally offensive. I mean, one can, one can trust every message the preacher preaches for 10 years. Let's say three times a week, that's 156 sermons in a year. And then that's, what, 1,500 and 60 sermons in 10 years, and trust that the Word of God is preached, double-check it, go home and read the Bible, and what the preacher is preaching is true, and can trust that. But, you know, it, it's different for some people whenever it comes to another part of the pastor's role and position given by God in personal counsel or whatever help the pastor sees that he needs to be in one's life. Trust him in preaching the word of God once you've checked him, and trust him as he carries out the rest of God's orders for him in the church. Pray for him, protect him, provide for, himself, for him. And did I say pray for him? Pray for the pastor. There's, there's no doubt about it that the, pastor, that the pastor needs it. And so as we consider the church, we consider these ordained positions that, that God has given. The pastor this week, the deacon next week. And, and they're not to be taken lightly. It's not the design of man. Man hasn't done this, and preachers don't wing it on their own opinion of things. We have, we have quite an instruction book to go by. You know, when a, when a pastor that, that comes to mind is questioned by people, you know, the pastor goes to do his job, and, and the pastor has a CEO and that's the Lord, you know, of the business he's in, and he goes to share his business and, and what he can do, what he can do, these things, all of a sudden someone on the other end, and I'm talking about even, even talking to an unsaved person, all of a sudden they, they know exactly how the pastor is to do their job. And, and so, so the pastor that, that comes to my mind asks people in that situation, what they do for a living. And then when they tell him, then the pastor starts telling them how to do their job. Well, I think you ought to do this this way. And then when they say, wait, wait, you've never even worked this job before. You don't know anything about it. 
And that's probably rare to him. People don't do that with a job like that. But people do that to the pastor a lot. That, that they want to tell the pastor how to do it or, 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 or doubt and think that he's wrong in what he does. And anyway, well, we, we're going through God's word on the church. It's not about the opinions of what makes up a church. It's not about how we feel church should be. Man hasn't done it. God has lined out his church in his word. And we're biblically, we're going through the Bible, sharing everything to do with the Lord's church. And we're going to continue that next week. And I praise the Lord for being able to be in this house tonight and that, and that he has lined out his church and he has given everything that we need in his word in order to do what pleases him you know if if we please people what kind of church is it you know where what's the situation with the lord if we please people then then he's unhappy and it's his church and what happens there we need to look to please the lord and all we do we need to consider his position of constant observation in our lives in the midst of the church and whether the church is bringing him glory it's a serious institution it's more serious than any institution any job we would be faithful to any courthouse we would walk in and respect the Lord deserves more he deserves our all an affectionate reverence is what Pastor Stone talked about, the fear of the Lord. But he also talked about being scared to death. And I understand that. I, I'll give you the same testimony that I'm scared to death to fail God. I told the teenagers that years ago, trying to talk about the fear of the Lord, and I said, I'm scared to death to fail God. And then what might happen to one of you who might be listening and, and thinking that I'm actually a, a youth pastor for you? I'm scared to death to do that. So, so we fear the Lord and we function as a church according to the Lord's word, according to the Lord's command. And again tonight, we're not going to have an invitation and a song, but... That doesn't mean you don't have an invitation to do business with God before you leave here. Love for you to, to come to me with any questions, uh, questioning me tonight if you, if you, if you will. Um, any questions about the Lord in your life? Any questions about His grace that is greater than all our sin? What a wonderful subject to talk about. What a wonderful hymn to sing tonight, Brother Tim. Appreciate that. And uh, I'm going to ask Zach Hamlin tonight if he will close our Bible study in a word of prayer. And again...